Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody, and welcome to the show today. Our guest today is going to be releasing his debut album called Never Too Late on Trippin' and Rhythm Records in early February of 2023. But he's been making hits for some 20 years now. In fact, he has over 40 contemporary jazz hits to his credit as a producer, songwriter, and pianist. That list includes 27 top 10 hits, 11 number one hits, and a Grammy win. He's collaborated with the likes of George Benson and Wayman Tisdale and Cindy Bradley and Marion Meadows and Lynn Roundtree and many, many more. And now we're fortunate enough to enjoy him stepping out front and making his own music. Please welcome to the show today, Mr. Michael Broning. Michael, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Carl. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. The pleasure is all ours. So, after such a successful run as a songwriter and a producer, what made you decide it was time to step out and do your own music? Well, that's a good question. I think early on, I thought I would be an artist, mm-hmm. but things just happened. I, I had an opportunity to produce a couple people and I got married and I had kids. Yeah. And the, the technology made it possible for me to be a stay-at-home dad and write and produce for artists. Okay. And I kind of liked it and just kind of snowballed from there to where being an artist just kind of fell fell out. But yeah. my kids are grown up now, or huh. almost. Uh, I got my, my son's a junior in high school, my okay. daughter's in college. And it's getting to the point where I have a lot of songs that don't necessarily translate to, to saxophone or to trumpet yeah. or guitar. They, this, all of these songs that really work better on piano, yeah. just accumulating. And, and I have to give some of that credit to Jeff Lunt over at Trippin' and Rhythm. He finally okay. said, you know, you've been doing this forever and nobody still knows who you are. Yeah. You're the most famous smooth jazz <laughs> producer that nobody knows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he said, just do it. And so long story short, you know, I, I started maybe about two years ago, just in between producing all the other people that I yeah. produced, just to something where I was the actual artist. And so here we are. Yeah. So, okay. So there's a lot of things you said that I want to kind of dig into. One of them though, being like being this most famous person that nobody knows, <laughs> that right? Nobody knows. <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's such a funny thing, but I think it is so true because like, you know, we hear the artists, we get to know the artists, but you're right. There's a couple people like that in this genre of music that have been these great producers who you don't know them until they step out and start doing their own stuff. I think, right. you know, like Paul, yeah. Paul Brown comes Paul to Brown. mind for me. You Paul know? Brown was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like Paul's got some 75 number one hits to his credit. And, you know, he's been making his own music for a while, but it's kind of like, it's like, oh my God, like this dude is amazing. And so thank you for, for coming out and starting to do that one. So, you know, thank you <laughs> as well, because I'm hoping what we're going to get from you. And I think if your first song is any indication, you know, we're going to be getting a lot of that good stuff like we get from Paul from you. That's one thing for sure. Well, it's nice of you to say. I appreciate that. Absolutely, man. It's the truth. And then the other side of the coin, though, too, is just, I just love this notion of like, you know, somebody saying to you, hey, come on, it's time for you to do this, because I got to imagine that there's probably a ton of songs that you have written 
that, you know, you probably got sitting somewhere that you're like, man, one day I should do something with that. Yeah, it always happened. Yeah. You know, there, there was always something where where I play something and and felt that if I if I just kept it mm-hmm. and played it on piano, it would work great. And that's so much easier to write like that because one one of the most difficult things about being a smooth jazz producer and songwriter is writing for wind instruments. Yeah, yeah. Because you have a very limited, like trumpet, for example, that's a that's a difficult one to write for. What I can play on piano doesn't translate mm-hmm. to trumpet necessarily. They can't play that high. They can't play that low. Yeah. Same with saxophone. So yes, to answer your question, there were a lot of uh, songs that I would write and it sounded good on piano yeah. and then I have to alter it to make it work for the artist and to where I'd be like, Oh, this would have, you know, if you just stepped out, yeah. you know, from behind the scenes and did it, this could work for you. But again, it's just, it's the snowball effect. I, and the fortunate reason that it never happened was just lack of time yeah. because I had so many artists that, that wanted me to produce and write for them. Sure. And they'll tell you now they're they're waiting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The fact that I put this record out means that there's so, there's a lot of artists that are still waiting for me to finish them, and they're getting a little tired of uh, waiting on my being yeah. slow uh, <laughs> because I had to do this. So I'm playing massive catch up right now. Okay, but uh, I'm still managing. Good, 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 good. So, what was the first big hit you had as a as a songwriter or producer? Marion Meadows Suede. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was, it may have been Sweet Grapes. I, I had done Marion's record in deep, okay. which was 2002. And we had a couple of top 30 singles mm-hmm. from that. One was called Tales of a Gypsy. That was my first single that charted. Okay. But Sweet Grapes and Suede went top five. And that was the second one that I produced. Great. Um, that was 2004. I had done in 95. I did mm-hmm. a Wayman Tisdale song that I had no business doing. Which one? Uh, it was called Thinking of You from his In the Zone record. And I only got it because he had just been traded to the Phoenix Suns and okay. moved to Phoenix. Okay. And, and was doing some uh, Mary Arizona Christmas record that I happened to be in the studio being a session. I was just a young kid that was in on a session. And he liked what I played. And called me up, and I, of course, was a nervous wreck. Yeah. Uh, Wayman Tisdale, you know, I right. knew him as a basketball player. Right. And so I got I got to do that, and that kind of pushed me in that direction. And when I was uh, a little bit later, I was playing with a local female singer named Connie Cole, a uh-huh. beautiful singer. And Marion was playing gigs with us, and I hit it off with Marion, and okay. so that's how I ended up getting to produce him. But the first thing that I did at my house, producing him and he'd come over, was In Deep and then Players Club. And Players Club really skyrocketed. That's cool. what kind of put things off. All right. Well, I, uh, you mentioned that Wayman song, Thinking of You. I love that song. Do you really? That, uh, that's so funny. Oh, I'm thinking of you. Yeah, that's that's all one. I want to do. Yes, I yeah. love that song. I love that's so funny. I don't know anyone uh, that's, that knows that song. Oh that my is gosh, so funny. I, I know it. I know it well. It is one of my all-time favorites from Wayman. One of my favorite artists, and yeah. So clearly, that's one of the first songs I I wrote. Well, I'm gonna tell you, you did a fantastic job, and you clearly <laughs> did. You did have you did you should have been on that song because that's a that's a wonderful song. 
So anybody mm. who hasn't listened to that song, go find that Wayman Tisdale album and listen to that song. That That's a great song. That is so funny. Yeah. I, did, I wrote that at his house when I was, like I said, I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> because, you know, he's like this basketball star. I didn't yeah. even know he played bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know. Uh-huh. And then he's calling my house. And I'm like, is that Wayman Tisdale calling me? The That's guy from cool. The so, so who are some <laughs> of the other artists that you've, that you've produced over the years? Well, the biggest, obviously, was George Benson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love George. I've maintained a, he's obviously, I wouldn't presume to say that we're, we're close friends at all, but um, I've maintained a relationship with him since yeah. we did that song together in 2006. And he's been to my house. Yeah, cool. Times. Uh, the song that won the Grammy, he recorded at my house. That's awesome. And that's a great story because we were in this studio. And again, that was another one where I got a call from Concord Records. And I had just done Marion's record. And that's what kind of got me that, that mm-hmm, gig mm-hmm. was George had George liked those songs. And he said to Concord, can you get the guy that did the Marion Meadows record? Okay. And he had just moved to Phoenix too. Huh. So okay. they're like, oh, that's great. The guy's in Phoenix. So you can meet him. And I met up in the studio. And for whatever reason, the studio that was recording the parts that he wanted me to record on, the, on the, and the song was called Morning. Uh-huh. And it just, it wasn't working. They had him running through all these plugins. And he, every time he'd play a note, it was like a half second behind when he would play. And you, I could visibly see the frustration on his face Okay, um, that this wasn't working. And so he looked over at me and said, hey, Mike, can you do better than this? Uh-huh. And I'm thinking. I think I've done one record and I said, but yeah, let's try it. I was kind of way cockier than I should have been. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he came over to my house the next day in my little four bedroom house and uh, with my two babies. And I literally set up the microphone next to my son's crib in the oh, other room. Wow. Put it in front of the amp. But he wasn't running. I, he could play the way he wanted to play. Okay. And I spoke his language and we did it in two takes. Yeah. Wow. And that song, and that performance won him the Grammy. That's amazing. Literally that recorded amazing. next to my son's crib. Unreal. How <laughs> cool is that? How yeah, cool is that? Amazing. Wow. So obviously I've had, uh, you know, and, and every once in a while, George will come over to do something um, when, when he can. Uh-huh. Um, it's a he had a thing with little anthony and the little anthony remember yeah that guy and the imperials uh, did, yep and the imperials he uh came over and recorded a, a song just a couple of years ago um so every once in a while i, I see him That's and cool. um so it's always great to see him he's such a he's such a wonderful person he's one yeah. of them and he's a great storyteller he he was telling stories to my huh, kids okay and i'm like my kids have just i'm like Absorb this. Yeah, this is a right. Life. This right. doesn't happen every day. You don't get a legend sitting in your house telling you stories yeah. about his dealings with Elton John and Paul McCartney and huh. Brian Wilson when he was a wreck. Unreal. <laughs> he was like telling us all these stories. So that was, <laughs> he's probably the most, like I say, he's the most recognizable person that yeah. I've worked with in smooth jazz. Yeah, well, it doesn't get more recognizable than him in music, period, right? So, no, you know, not, not in not in this genre. That's exactly he's, right. He's definitely one of the top. Yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. So let's talk about the music you are making for yourself now. How do you describe your music? Wow. I don't know if I do describe it. Okay. 
Okay. It's kind of like if you were a tree, what tree would you be? Oh, uh, yeah. But I think you could basically say that a lot of smooth jazz today is, is instrumental R&B. Mm-hmm. Because it really is. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's very groove oriented. I'm, I'm very groove oriented. Mm-hmm. I like to lay down a foundation. I don't go crazy with that. My rhythm section is my meat and potatoes. Yeah, Mel okay. Brown on bass, Freddie Fox on drum, oh, um, yeah. guitar. I have a, a few drummers that I use. So I like to lay that down, and I like to keep a you know an interesting chord progression that doesn't stray too far. Okay. And then I think one thing people can say about my my music as an artist and as a songwriter is it's catchy yeah i write catchy melodies yeah that's the big thing with me Mm -hmm. when i'm writing when i'm doing something if i'm not humming it later that night if i don't wake up in the middle of the night with it stuck in my head Uh then i know it's not any good okay if it's stuck in my head i know it's good good okay even if if it's an annoying stuck in my head i know it's good So where do you get your inspiration from for either your songwriting or your, your making of music? Where does it come from? Well, there's a couple ways to answer that, because obviously I had a lot of influences growing up learning how to play piano, mm-hmm. um, learning how to produce. Um, and, and a lot of the piano playing that I, that I got as far as uh, how I play was kind of a combination of pop guys and jazz guys. Okay. Um, Bruce Hornsby. Yeah. Obviously, Elton John, Billy Joel, those guys. But then I listened to a lot of Sting. So mm-hmm. Kenny Kirkland was one of the first piano oh, players yeah. that I, I listened to. And Kenny Kirkland morphed into some of the, you know, it, it was funny. I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. And then when I started going down that avenue, I went, I regressed and started listening to Bill Evans mm-hmm. and Herbie Hancock yeah, and Oscar Peterson. So I got a lot of influence from those guys early on as far as being a piano player. As a songwriter, I listen to a lot of pop and R&B. Yeah. Um, so I combine kind of my jazz influence uh, as far as the technical part that I learned with the pop part that gives it kind of the catchiness and the accessibility. Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I can't really say any particular um, you know, artist uh, but as far as like smooth jazz yeah. artists that I like, I, I love Boney James. I love Brian Culbertson. Yeah. And I love all the artists that I produce. Of course. You know, that's part of the, the, they're all great. Marion's great. Lynn Roundtree's great. Yeah. I um, mean, I can name you know all of them, but they're all fantastic artists and they all allow me to kind of do my thing while giving them the freedom to be themselves too. Yeah. So there's a lot of that, but, to be honest with you, Carl, a lot of times I have a mountain behind my house uh-huh. and I, I hike all the time. Anyone that knows me, they'll know that I will put on headphones and I will just start listening and I will put on some random playlist of uh-huh. songs I've never heard Okay, to get ideas. Yeah. So I'm constantly fresh and I'll, I'll listen to like modern urban AC uh-huh. and I'll get, I'll get something um, that I never would have thought, and I'll try to translate it into a contemporary jazz song. That's in fact, cool. there's a Marion tune that literally came listening to Snoop Dogg. Huh? Okay, okay, okay. That is cool. So I'll go, I'll, I'll go over the map to get ideas. That is, but fantastic. I try to stay fresh that way, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So nothing sounds the same. Yeah. So as someone with all this experience as a producer before you striking out as an artist yourself like what happens when you are doing your own music now like 
Are you producing your work as well? Or do you find uh -huh. another? Yeah, yes. okay, you are. Okay, okay, okay. And sometimes I wish I had someone to tell me, hey, that didn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? okay. um, that, that is one of the nice things about having a, an objective ear as a producer is when, yeah. when an artist does something, I can tell them, hey, you know what? I think you should try this or you try this. Yeah. Um, I don't have that. Yeah. You know, it's clearly I have my label. I'll send stuff to Jeff Lund. And sure. Be blunt with me. You know, it wasn't quite working. And uh -huh. um, but it is it is me. So I, yeah. I kind of have to have the faith that what I'm doing works. Yeah. But I got to believe, though, that having done this for so long for so many other people, your ears have a heightened sensitivity. And with all the hits you've made, you probably have a little secret sauce where you can hear it, like you said, like before. If it's not something that sticks with you, it's not something that you're going to continue with, right? You know, it's not great, right? If it's not something you're hearing yeah. in your head, right? Yeah. To answer your question, yes, I do kind of have a, a secret sauce thing where, where I kind of know what works. And, and it's, it's actually kind of refreshing because it's hard as a producer sometimes to know what an instrument you don't play is doing naturally. Mm -hmm. When I'm editing a sax part or well, editing a trumpet part or guitar, it's not my instrument. Yeah. So okay. I'll do things that I think sound good and sound like what I think would make it catchy, but it's still not my instrument. Yeah. I know my instrument. Piano's my instrument sure. since I was five years old. So it's really easy for me to to know what sounds right, what doesn't sound right. So that that part is good, but uh, I do tend to be way over nitpicky and take forever. And so sometimes I have to stop. Okay. <laughs> so I don't go overboard. Yeah. Wow. So, well, let's do this. Why don't we take a listen to one of the releases from your upcoming CD that has gotten quite a bit of airplay? This is Summer in Blue. All right.
Everybody, that was Michael Browning, or as his friends call him, Michael B., with his hit Summer in Blue from his upcoming first CD release that'll be happening in early 2023. So when did you know, Michael, that you wanted a career in music? I started playing piano at five. Okay. Um, So it was something I really gravitated to, and my parents saw that. Mm -hmm. And... And so they, they helped cultivate it, definitely. Okay. And I took piano lessons. But at that point, it was just, I, I loved playing piano. And there yeah. was nothing more to it than that. But in high school, I got a uh, Yamaha DX7 synthesizer. Okay. And, <laughs> which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. And a Yamaha uh, RX drum machine and a four, Tascam 4-track tape recorder. Wow. And I locked myself in my room till three in the morning, just <laughs> figuring out how to program songs. Uh-huh. And so that's kind of when it started, you know, okay. and, and, and still it's like, that's just something you, you love to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's not necessarily, well, I'm going to do this for a career. Yeah. It happened to turn into that because of technology, because uh. four track recorder and, and a Yamaha DX7 doesn't get you a job producing music. Yeah. You st- back then you had to have a studio and, and all this other stuff, but you know, because of technology, and you can run a studio out of your house now. Yeah, and yeah. What I did when I was in high school and make a living at it. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like it started there in high school, but some sometime around two thousand, two thousand one, uh, the technology was such with the internet and being able to to not have to fly people out. You could send an MP3 to somebody and yeah. say, "Hey, can you play bass? Can you play drums?" And you can mix it all in your house. That that's when I realized, hey, I might be able to do this. Yeah, and okay. then you know, so it, it was it was around around then. But yeah. I always wanted to be a musician. Okay. Definitely. Okay. But, but at, you know, early on, it was teaching and gigging and touring and yeah. doing all that stuff, which is what I thought would be, you know, if I if I was able to make it. Yeah. That it would be that. It didn't turn into. I could actually think the songwriting producing thing could turn into my career. Yeah. Uh, until the technology allowed for it. Okay. Okay. Do you miss the old days at all? I know COVID shook up everything, but do you miss the old days of, you know, everybody getting together in a studio or? You know, Carl, it's been it's been this way long before COVID. Yeah. Okay. To be honest. Okay. Um. And but, yeah. I mean, to answer your question, yes. Mm-hmm. I I miss. My first band I was in, I was in a band called Turning Point, okay, um, which was a Phoenix-based band, and um, it was uh, my friends that were in the band had a recording studio. Okay, they had the big twenty-four track. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> and when we recorded, we were a band. Yeah, we played live, and I listen back to that sometimes, and I think there's there's an energy that you just don't recapture if you're not yeah. playing live. Yeah, that's you absolutely don't capture that. Yeah. So that part I do miss. Yeah. I try to recreate it as much as I can because I do hire a lot of live musicians. Like uh-huh. I say, Mel Brown, Freddie Fox, yeah. live drums. They're just not playing together at the same time. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I definitely like to put them in there. Okay. So that so that the element of live is still there. Yeah. But again, it, it is every once in a while I get called to do a session uh-huh. and they play live and I'll I'll drive down and you know, some of the local studios in Phoenix and, and I put on my session musician hat <laughs> and I'll go in there and I'll play something live. And I'm just, oh, I miss this. Yeah. It's so awesome. Yeah. It, it really is. 
So I do miss that, but it has been like this since, like I say, early 2000. It's been recording, you know, in the studio by myself, Mm -hmm. programming and and flying in the parts uh, via email. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So if you weren't a musician, what do you think you'd be doing? You know, I've dabbled in real estate. Okay. I actually have a degree in finance, which Ah. is so bizarre because I hate it. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> I think I'm I'm good with managing my family's money, but it's not my personality. I'm just not, yeah. that's not who. Um, and honestly, selling isn't who I am either. Yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm not, that's just not who I am. So, uh, but that's what I could always fall. I always think that I'm going to have to fall back on something okay. when, this, when this dries up. <laughs> so it would probably be something like that. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know if you have to worry about drying up. I mean, 20 years of making hits. Um for others and all you never know it's like the next song could suck and then it's you just never know yeah that's well the, that's the scary part about being a songwriter i can imagine and, yeah that's you know? true that's true but you, you got a lot that you're working with so i don't i don't think you're in any um in any um jeopardy well, of it, that happening anytime <laughs> soon i appreciate that <laughs> i do appreciate that but i don't i don't want to get cocky i feel um, you again you know it's like you just never know when it's when the ideas are going to stop. Yeah, but yeah. I think I have enough passion for it, and I do have enough wherewithal to constantly keep up with with new trends. Yeah, I do think I have a specific sound, but yeah. I don't think I'm going to be stuck. Yeah, yeah. You know, as a guy that sounds like the '80s for the rest of this, I'll, I'll constantly be trying to update myself. And that's a smart way of being. I think that's the key to, to longevity with anything. Like you never stop learning, oh, sure. right? You never stop Absolutely. learning. You never stop reinventing yourself and your skill set. That's just how it goes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're not going to rush you off the music scene anytime in the in the near future here, Michael. So <laughs> how, how about we listen? I did flip one home, though. I, I flipped a home. <laughs> I actually flipped a home. Okay, so did you, did you make money? I actually money? made money at it. You did? I actually made yeah, I actually made money at it and I actually loved it, but it wasn't, it, it was because I actually was hands-on. I'd go okay. to this house and I'd paint and I'd repair this and I'd fix plumbing stuff. Wow. And I actually felt, you know, I was getting my hands dirty uh-huh. and doing it. And when I turned around and sold it, I was like, wow, that's really cool. But I never did it again. Okay. It was just okay. the one time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, there, there, could be, there could be that in my future. Who knows? There you go. There you go. Well, let's, let, please stick with music, okay? please so, you got it. all right <laughs> uh, well we're going to listen to another one of your songs this one's also going to be off of your your forthcoming cd this is shine a light great
All right, everybody, we just heard Shine a Light by Michael Browning. Michael, tell us how that song came to be. Shine a Light, I wrote in 94. Okay. It was something I wrote when I was in Turning Point. Huh. And it was going to be on a Turning Point CD. And we had like a little rough that I just, I had like a, a Peter Erskine loop. Hmm playing the drums, and Thano Sanis uh, played guitar. Dimitri Sanis' brother was was on bass, and we did a little quick demo. It it never made the record. Okay. In part because I had been kind of inching my way towards gigging more, and, and I had been offered a gig uh, with Connie Cole, Okay. and I couldn't really do it anymore. So just for, for those reasons, the song just kind of sat there. Every time I went back to it, I loved it. Yeah. And always thought, but it always felt like my song. It never yeah. felt like something. That was one, you know, and I mentioned earlier, there were just some songs that didn't seem right, you know, in the hands of a sax player or a trumpet player, but seemed like acoustic guitar and piano. And when Jeff, you know, mentioned, hey, you should do your own CD, that was the first song I thought of. And mm-hmm. I pulled it up and I started playing it. And, you know, I did a quick little new version of it and sent it to jeff thinking oh this is too out there it's so dated and he loved it he absolutely egged that one on okay and i and if he hadn't i don't know if i ever would have done anything with it okay but he egged it on and i got and the fun thing is i got bono uh the original guitar player uh, that's him playing acoustic guitar he's a brilliant acoustic guitar player that's Uh, awesome so he's all over that one and the drummer on that, John Herrera, was the original drummer of Turning Point. Okay. okay. So uh, there's a lot of Turning Point. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. original band that's all over that. So That's awesome. Yeah, but it's technically a, a song I wrote nearly 30 years ago. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Good, good music stands the test of time, though, doesn't it? You would think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would think so. And that's the nice thing about the genres. It's... Um, you you can play something 28 years old um and not have it sound dated yeah because yeah. it's it's you know you you do want to keep up with the trends but you can fit that into smooth jazz and not necessarily into pop no doubt no doubt but uh so that was one of the reasons why i felt comfortable doing it awesome awesome well michael we have this segment we do on each show is called about it or doubt it okay so if you're about it, it's something that you like. If you're doubt it, it's something that you're not feeling. Can we get you to play about it or doubt it with us today? Absolutely. All right. Bring it on. All right, let's go. I doubt it. So, Michael, we're going to spin the wheel and we're going to get you about it or doubt it category. Then we're going to ask you a few questions. All right. All right. Very. No whammies. All right. No whammies. <laughs> <laughs> Did I date myself with that? No, you didn't date yourself. I, 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 knew, I knew exactly what you were talking about. So well, I think a lot of us still do. Right. So. All right, Michael, your category today is hobbies. All right. OK. So about it or doubt it. Fishing. Doubt it. Doubt it. Okay, not a fisherman. Not a fisherman. Well, you're kind of landlocked. You're in Arizona, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have a lake that's close by. I could okay. go fishing. Okay, okay, okay. But um, no, not not much of a of a fisher. Yeah, yeah. I you know I did it a few times in my life. Um, I, I remember going deep sea fishing once in Mexico, and that was a lot of fun. I'll tell you what. 
my dad used to uh, go marlin fishing. Oh, wow. Okay. And he took me and I spent, you know, the first hour on the deck and the last three hours throwing up. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, on a lake, I, I would probably be the kind of person that would enjoy, you know, just getting a, a little boat on yep. a quiet lake and, yeah. and just chilling out and having, having some beers and, yeah, and, yeah. and fishing that way. Yeah. And yeah. if I didn't catch anything, I wouldn't care because uh -huh. I'm just hanging out and, the problem with, with Arizona is the lakes here are just a body of water surrounded by desert yeah. in 105 degree weather. And that's not into that. Yeah. I don't blame <laughs> you. I feel you on that one. I, I, I think that would be hard for me too. That would be hard yeah. for me too. All right. Bout it or doubt it. Memorabilia collecting. Well, uh, a fair bout it. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know what I have? I have football cards from the seventies. Wow, that no I have that are actually ridiculous condition because I kept them in in this like case. Uh -huh. And I was just going through them, and I'm like, oh my god, there's some value here that I wasn't even aware that of. That is I cool. Just, I was just a little kid, you know, getting because I like football. Yeah, but now there's like I've got like three rookie Joe Montana cards. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that are in like, pristine condition. Ooh, yeah. So I just probably someone gonna rob me now. Some quick. <laughs> yeah. Where's your where's your football card? Give me all your football cards. But um <laughs> but so I yeah, I do that and I personally like to keep a lot of memorabilia just for my yeah. family, you know. Like my wife takes we literally have like a hundred thousand pictures on our computer because my That's wife just cool. doesn't anything. Yeah. So personal memorabilia, you know, I keep all my kids stuff. I've got like homework assignments from that's cool so that kind of stuff i definitely am about it yeah you know that's cool because that stuff has real value you know just not oh, just yeah. for the generations to come but man sometimes just taking a look through some of those things and like you said the photos too like my wife is like your wife she takes photos really? of everything right and we have this Does little she delete some of them <laughs> the very I few get like very few 47 blurry photos yeah. of something that no, get deleted. And, and my daughter is like a lot like my wife i will get up some mornings and they will have confiscated my phone and they will have taken like 50 selfies of the two of them together or something oh like my that God. Be on my phone right so like i you know like they they do it all the time and my wife has this thing in our kitchen it keeps time but it's like this little screen and it just scrolls all these photos that she's taken, right? They just scroll right. all day, every day. And it's really cool because sometimes you'll be walking through the kitchen and you'll see something and you'll, you'll go and you'll look at it and you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that. That was really cool when we took, took the kids to Disney or whatever it is. You yeah, know? yeah. So that's really neat. That's really neat. And, yeah. the, and the football cards, man, I tell you. The football cards, I'm telling you, I've got, and, and I've got like, I can't, I've got some other stuff too. Oh. I've got old albums. Mm -hmm. I've got old, you know, keyboard uh, magazines from the 80s, you know, just a bunch of stuff that I kept, you know, from yeah. my childhood. Um, I kept all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one day I'll figure out what all that's worth. Yeah, um, yeah. But right now I just want to keep it. Yeah, that's awesome. I was talking to I was visiting a friend of mine recently and I had no idea we were, were talking me, him and his wife. I'm at his house and his we're talking about music and. His wife tells me that her dad used to be the musical director for Miles Davis. All right. What? Yes. And then she says, oh, yeah, I got all kinds of boxes full of stuff 
from when my dad worked with Miles. Miles would be at the house and yada, yada, yada. And she's like, my dad gave wow. me all this stuff. And I said to her, I said, her name is Terry. I said, Terry, you got to get all that stuff together and you got to find somebody to look through that stuff because you might be sitting on some amazing stuff. Like there yeah. might be lyrics to a song written on a piece of paper or whatever, or, or notes to a song, I should say, written on a piece of paper or whatever. And this is Miles Davis. Like this is like, the quintessential jazz artist, you probably yeah. are sitting on something amazing, you know? On a gold mine. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it funny? Some people don't know that. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, Miles, uh, Miles who? Yeah. She's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember him being at the house and him and my dad hanging out. And, like, she just was totally, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you got to go through this. Just nonchalant so, about it? Yeah, wow, that's yeah. funny. It was pretty amazing. That's funny. It was pretty amazing. So, yeah, so the cards, I feel you. I used to have baseball cards, got rid of them all, and today I'm kicking myself. I should have kept those cards. but They've got this whole thing. I, I That's why I didn't even look into it because, I mean, they – the way they judge them. Yeah. I mean, the, the one card could be worth 87 cents and another mm -hmm. version of the same card could be $10,000. Right. Right. It's amazing. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So it's something else. Good for you, man. Good for you. Mm -hmm. So Michael, how important is a personal connection when you're making music with someone? Oh God. Very. Yeah. Very important. I think that's what's kept me in the business so long because mm -hmm. you have to know what the artist gravitates to. Yeah. Otherwise you're just, you're just hitting buttons and mm -hmm. you're just, you're putting notes there and they're just paint by numbers. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't work. I have to know what the artist likes, mm -hmm. what they, what they're about. A lot of times I, I let them out when I'm giving an artist a song, you know, I'll have a catchy, chorus mm -hmm. but i let them play the verse okay. because i want it to be a piece of them and yeah. then that's kind of how i know what they gravitate to what okay. they like and when they're in the studio i definitely like to keep a loose atmosphere i like to you know hang out just chill yeah you know drink uh -huh. get loosened up and let so that they're comfortable because that's that's when you get the magic yeah you know yeah so i'm sure you've had lots of fun times in the studio moments are there some are there some that you can share with us there's some i can't share with yeah, you i figured that the best, the best ones are the ones i can't share with you uh -huh, okay <laughs> you know i guess my favorite memories were the early stuff i did with marion because mm -hmm. marion lived close to me okay um and he was over every day okay and if he was over for five hours, we'd be lucky to record for one. Okay. Okay. And the okay. rest of the time, you know, yeah. shooting the, you know, and my daughter was a baby when we uh, recorded Players Club. Yeah. And she was constantly in there uh -huh. and he would constantly pick her up. And that's she, cool. He became her Uncle Marion. Yeah. That's cool. It was a while before we had to, you know, tell her he wasn't actually her uncle. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Um, but it was, he was Uncle Marion for a long time. That is fantastic. But we had a great time. I mean, that's the one thing, you know, since then, and, and, and I will say that COVID has changed this part is uh, even when I was doing internet recording, uh, a lot of times the artists would fly here yeah. to record. So I could record them in person. Mm hmm. Uh, Althea Renee's record, we did all every single part she played. Okay. She was here and we had a great time. Yeah. She hit it off with my kids. Uh, and I can name all, all the, a lot of other artists that were similar to that. That's not really the case anymore, yeah. especially since COVID. Everybody's recording there. 
And I miss that part of it. And that's why the stuff that I did with Marion early on is so memorable because everything we did, he, mm-hmm. he came over yeah. and there was personal connection. So I know how he plays inside and out. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. You know? It's the, the spaces in between often that you remember, like that, you know, your daughter has his relationship with your daughter. Like those are things that you never forget. And those are things that lead to a, a bond that you just can't manufacture. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He'll always be her. I mean, she always, when we bring him up, he's still Uncle Marion. Yeah, that's cool. That is so cool. She's in college now and it's still her Uncle Marion. Uh (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. So we know you like to hike. What are some of the other things you like to do when you're not making music? Gosh. Well, I'm married. Mm -hmm. I do a million things with my wife. Okay. My My wife's my best friend. That's awesome. So we do, we do so many things together. We're definitely movie buffs. Uh-huh. We definitely like to make our house. We, we, our latest thing is we, we made a bar ah. in our house so that we don't spend all of our excess money at happy hour. <laughs> We're bringing happy hour to our house. <laughs> uh, we love going wine tasting okay. and we've been to Napa and Sonoma oh, and, yeah. and uh, we did the sideways tour twice in okay. Santa Barbara. So, you know, I love doing stuff with my wife and like That's I said, awesome. we're, I'm almost, I, you can almost say that I think people who really know me would not be surprised to hear that I'm more of a movie score buff than huh. I am. Okay. Buff. okay. I'm a massive. I get moved to tears when the right movie score happens. Okay. Okay. You know, John Williams, Thomas Newman, those guys, I just adore. Huh. Hans Zimmer. I'm a big, because I just find that that's something that I wish I could do and can't. Okay. You know, conduct an orchestra, put music to, to movies. That just, that is mind blowing to huh. me. So I really love watching movies and seeing how, how they score. That's you know, fantastic. I, I, that blows me away. Are there some Always. favorite movie scores that you can point to? Well, obviously, John Williams, I think, is brilliant mm-hmm. with, with the things he's done. But I can't think of any off the top of my yeah. head. There's you know, the ending of Shawshank Redemption and that whole scene where, where he's you know, painting that tapestry between mm-hmm. the moment when he reads Andy Dufresne's letter to the moment where he's seen the ocean. Yeah. I look at that and I go, how would I do that? Yeah. How did he make that just perfectly meld in with pictures that you're seeing? And it just, it always blows my mind. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to answer your question, I'm a movie buff just because I have such a huge appreciation of what goes into that. That's cool. It just, it blows me away. Yeah. So I'm a big movie buff and uh, I don't know, I I play sim basketball. I'm actually really good. In basketball guy. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I'm embarrassed to say that I really know stats of basketball. <laughs> That's okay, man. And, I, and I'm embarrassingly good at it. Nothing wrong. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And you said you're a football fan too. So are you a Arizona Cardinals fan? No. No. They suck. Okay. Okay. They really are horrible, <laughs> and they have a horrible owner. Yeah. The okay. Goodwills are the worst ownership group ever. Uh-huh. Um, I was a, I was more football fan as a kid. Gotcha. Um, but I, you know, I'm I'm to the point now where it's just the playoffs. And yeah. When the Suns have broken my heart for as long as I can remember, yeah. they've never won a championship. I used to work for the Suns. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, I used to work in their ticket office when I was in college. Okay. 
I knew that Charles Barkley was going to get traded before he came because I would sneak into Cotton Fitzsimmons' office wow. and, and when I was supposed to be manning tickets and listen to the trades he was making. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, cool. Um, but I, I mean, I do love the Suns, but like I say, I, I can always count on them breaking my heart completely. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, I'm in, I'm in Milwaukee. And so oh, we're, you guys killed us. We, yeah, I know. I know. You killed our, you know, twice. Yeah. You killed yeah, us. Yeah. You killed us when you won the coin flip for Blue Alcender, who yep. became Kareem. Mm-hmm. And then you killed us because Giannis is phenomenal. Yeah. I became a Milwaukee Bucks season ticket holder when George Carl became coach. Oh, really? George Carl. I've lived yeah. through some lean years, too, right? Yeah, you did. And yeah. so it's, but it's pretty cool now. In fact, I'm going to be at the game tomorrow. With they're playing the um, the Warriors, and oh, one of my buddy's son is a place for the Warriors, Jordan Poole. So, oh, cool. so that's going to be a good time tomorrow. I can't wait for yeah. that. But yeah, we're pretty spoiled here with our basketball right now. So I'm trying to soak you it are, in and you enjoy. You've got the best player in the league. Yeah, right now. Yeah, he we really do. Is. We do. Yeah. Yeah, we're jealous. Yeah, yeah. He's Our best player is, is definitely on the decline, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But you guys still got a good squad, so we'll see. We, we mean, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We might be, we might be talking. We might have to connect again in the playoffs and have a conversation or maybe make a little so, better. Sometime before I, sometime before I, I die, it would be nice <laughs> if we won one championship. <laughs> I think there's a good chance of that. I think there's a good chance of that. <laughs> yeah. So what advice, Michael, would you give your 13-year-old self about life? Uh, invest in Google. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Early. That is a or good Yahoo one. Or Yahoo <laughs> or which, which one went through the roof? Amazon. Uh, yeah. 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 I'd say that half jokingly, but that, that would be one of the pieces of advice. That would is, be great you know, advice. Just, I mean, yeah, then I, then I would, mm-hmm. but, um, I, I don't know. That's a good question, Carl. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of feel like I've made a lot of mistakes in my life that had I not made, I don't think it would have made me who I am. Yeah, sure. So, you know, sometimes you can go back and think, oh, I wish I'd done this and I wish I'd done that. And I wish I hadn't done this. I wish I hadn't done that. But then I'd be a different person. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have the the kids that I have. I wouldn't have the life that I have. And Mm -hmm. I like my life. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Well, let's take a listen to one more of your songs, all right? How about we listen to Let It Breathe? Let It Breathe.
All right. You just heard Let It Breathe by today's guest, Michael Broning. So, Michael, do you remember the first concert you ever went to see? Ooh, um, boy, it's, it's kind of a it melds into a lot of different concerts. Okay. I can, you know what? I'll say this. I remember the first jazz concert I saw. Okay. It was Bob James. Ooh, yeah. I saw Bob James at the Scottsdale. uh, I forget the name of it. uh, And here in Arizona, all I knew was my mom said, I'm taking you to this concert because she kind of saw that I liked that. Yeah. um, But at that point it was, it was like, it was that late seventies kind of fusion yeah, stuff that I yeah. super liking. Um, so all I knew was Bob James was the guy that wrote the theme from taxi. Yep. That's all I knew as yeah. a kid, but I thought it was a cool song. So I said, like, Oh, okay, that's cool. And I was blown away. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely blown away. Yeah. It was a great concert and it was so intimate. And, and now my, you know, my memory of it, so there couldn't have been more than 250 people yeah. in that theater. Okay. Um, so I'm li- I'm look back now and I'm like, what? I wish I could go back and yeah. see that again. Oh yeah, Bob James now. Oh my god. Oh. So that one I definitely remember um, is my first kind of taste into that genre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was that was awesome. That's a pretty doggone good one. I mean, you know, is it like 15 or 16 Grammys or something like that? Grammy nominations or something like that? Something and like that, yeah. I, I had yeah, he's ch- not bad. Yeah, not bad at all, <laughs> I'd say. And I, I had a chance to, um, well, we had him as a guest on the podcast. He oh, did, did you? Yeah, we did. And we did our, he did oh, our, that's great. yeah, he did our Fresh Coast Jazz Festival. And I had dinner with him one night and got, wow. to, hang, got to hang out with him. What a nice man. Like, he's, he? he, yes. And he's cool because, like, he's the nicest guy. He still is doing it at a super duper high level. Everybody, yeah, yeah. I love the fact that he's got these, he's got some guys in his band, his bass player and his drummer that he had when he was here in Milwaukee, both really, really young guys. And he had just come off of doing this thing, his, his, his release 2080, where, he and a 20-year-old who, I think he said it was his personal trainer's son, got together and put together, he's, Bob was 80 at the time, this young wow. man was 20 at the time, and they did this album called 2080, and it was imagining what music would sound like in the year 2080, right? And no kidding. Yes, yeah, so check that one out. You'll, but just a great... Yeah, I would definitely check that out. Just a great guy. And I was just amazed at how someone so accomplished and is just so humble still. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know how you could, could last if you don't have that. Yeah. You good know? point. Good point. I, and I mean, I'm genuine when I say every time I write a song, I'm like, I hope this isn't the last one. Yeah. I hope this isn't the one where it starts the downtrend of everything I'm writing now sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And I lost, if you don't have that, then you've got to have a little bit of an element of, you know, your days are numbered. Yep, yep, <laughs> so you better yep. keep on top of things and don't take things for granted. You kind of have to have that. And humility is a huge part of that. You raise a really, really good point. You made, when you were talking about that, it made me think about, I had Lynn Roundtree, one of the artists you've worked with. I had Lynn on oh, our yeah, podcast, right? I had yeah. Lynn on our podcast. Um, this is probably a year or so ago, right? And Lynn was so cool. He was such he a consummate professional. It was evident that he cares so much about 
when he gets on stage, he wants to leave a mark, a positive mark with people. It was just so evident. I finished doing the podcast with him, and like a day or two later, I called his agent and I said, I want to book him for our 2023 Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, right? Because oh, yeah. he was, I had never seen him live, and typically I don't book anybody that I haven't seen live before. But yeah, yeah. he was such a cool guy that I thought, this is somebody I want to work with, and I know he's going to put on a great show because I can tell from his personality. They don't get much cooler than Lynn. Yeah. They yeah. really don't. Yeah. I've only seen, I've only met him one time in person. Okay. Everything okay. we've done, we've had, we've had a lot of success together. Yeah, I know. We've had three number ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he records his stuff there. When I talk to him, it's always a great conversation. Yeah. But he did fly into Phoenix one time and I met him. Yeah. We had lunch and hung out and, and I just love him. Yeah. He's just a fantastic yeah. guy. Yeah, it is. But you're right. That keeping it humble, that matters. You know, Najee said something to me once that, that really rang a bell with me. He said, you know, I only work with people that I'd like, you know? Yeah. And that matters. And when somebody is humble, boy, it's a whole lot easier to want to work with them, isn't so it? So much easier. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. They got to have a sense of humor. Yeah. They got to be able to be self-deprecating at times. Yeah. And I am. Yeah. You know, yeah. they know that when they meet me, when when George Benson's song won the Grammy, uh -huh. I had a friend that helped do some media stuff because I didn't really want to do it because okay. I was like, I don't, I don't want to do local media stuff. But long story short, one of the, the Phoenix magazines wanted, you know, they were asking me, did you go and hobnob with all those stars, at the Grammys and stuff like that? And I was like, no, I stayed home because I didn't <laughs> produce the song that won the Grammy win the Grammy and that's not my scene. And so the picture that they ended up taking of me instead of being all, you know, dressed up in a suit was me in my studio, um, with my kids draped all over me in diapers <laughs> on my keyboard. And I was like, this is how it is. You uh -huh. know, this is how I am. This is my day. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm recording something and I gotta go change a diaper, deal with a screaming kid or a dog, whatever. And I think that disarms people when they know that when, yeah. when an artist is over and they know that that's how it is and they don't, they can loosen up and be themselves. Yeah. I think that helps get the you know a natural sound out of the song. I think the song reflects the fact that that's the vibe that's getting put out there. You know. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't disagree with you. I think that's a great point. I think that's a fantastic point. So okay, so I know this is probably going to be a hard question for you. As All a right. person who is a, has been producing music for so long and listens to so much different music, can you, can you pick your three favorite albums of all time, Michael? Okay. Well, I'll tell you the one that I'll, I'll say. I'm not sure it's my favorite. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you the one, or maybe just the three, that got me to where I am. Yeah. Um, and those the first three Sting uh, solo albums. Okay. Dream of the Blue Turtles. Uh, God, I'm blanket on a second one and then 10 summoners tales mm -hmm. uh, because that was the first time i got really introduced to you know a pop artist that i knew as a pop guy mixing with jazz yeah guys. yeah you know yeah that was yeah. the first because i knew every breath you take and i knew synchronicity and mm -hmm. i knew all that stuff but now suddenly, who's this Kenny Kirkland and Branch right. Marsalis, you know? Right. Omar wow, Hakeem so cool. and yeah. Omar Hakeem, yes. right. 
Yes, and I, so that sent me down that road. I never would have learned about Miles Davis, yeah. Bill Evans, and any of those guys had it not been for that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I I consider that you know a super influence. Yeah, on on me. That's a great know? choice. That's yeah. a great choice. Um, so I would probably put those one, two, and three just because of the road it led me down. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I got to say, know? I think that was – I was the other day – it was well, probably a couple months ago. It wasn't the other day. But I've been trying to find – remember they did that um, that documentary on the album, The Dream of the Blue Turtles? Oh, my God, yeah. I've been yeah. trying to find uh, that, and I can't was, find oh, it. God, why am I blanking on the name of it? I have the live well, cassette tape. You do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> of that. He does when the world is running down, which was a yes. police tune. Yes. And Kenny Kirkland plays about a six minute solo. Yeah. That when yeah. I heard that for the first time, I, my jaw dropped to the floor. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I thought it was the coolest piano solo because it was a jazz solo to a rock group. Yeah. I'd never heard anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and you know, he's Kenny Kirkland. So he's playing outside, you know, it's three chords. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a C11, D11, E11. Yeah. Just back and forth, back and forth. And he's going outside and he's playing tritone substitute. He's doing all this stuff. And I'm like, what is going on here? This is amazing. Yeah. And I tried to memorize how to play that uh-huh. solo. Oh, I'll give you another one. And this will, this, you'll think this is crazy. Huh. Uh, Vince Guaraldi's Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Oh my God, I learned how to play every single thing on that huh. as a pianist. Okay. I mean, if you really listen to that, you would think it was Bill Evans playing. Huh. And I memorized how to play every single one of those songs. That's awesome. And that kind of got me on the, on, the, on the track of learning how to play uh, jazz stuff, too, before I even knew I was into it. You know, I just knew I loved that yeah yeah so that was another big influence and it's crazy because people will say hey can you play snoopy i'm like you have no idea i can play everything <laughs> <from> that, <entire> <laughs> that is fantastic that is fantastic all right so michael you're having a dinner party and you can invite okay. any three people living or deceased who's okay. coming to your dinner party and what's on the menu okay i'll tell you what's on the menu okay because i'm cooking it all right i'm doing a filet mm. And I, I do a reverse sear in butter and garlic Ooh, and rosemary. That sounds so good. So I'll cook it like I'll cook it on the grill like medium rare, and then I reverse sear it like the hottest grill, so you get that nice dark crust. That's cool. And then I put butter and, and rosemary, and and then I do a, a a red wine mushroom sauce. Oh, that I put on that with uh, roasted red potatoes with uh, rosemary and thyme. I'm serving that with. Wow. Ooh. I'm a big Pino fan. That sounds good, man. Now, who am I inviting? Yeah. Right now, you're invited. Well, I, I was going to... <laughs> I'm, I'm inviting Carl, because Carl's into it. I, I, I was going to ask for an invitation anyway, so thank you for inviting me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, inviting, I'm inviting you and whoever else. You know what? I can't invite three people. I want everyone to come over. That's okay. I, I just, That's as much I, as I can... <laughs> as much as I can... You know, I like cooking for people. I cooked for my own birthday party once. We had a bunch ah. of people over and I wanted to do the cooking. So everybody's in there celebrating and I'm slaving over the hot stove on my birthday. Okay. But I that's how I wanted it because I enjoy it. Oh so. man. See you you're talking my language. I love a good Pinot. Yeah. I love I love 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 a good a good fillet, man. 
and oh god yeah, uh, yeah. a mushroom sauce man you're you right down my alley so you just tell me when the party's coming i'll tell you what i'll bring when some wine phoenix, okay you, when all you're right. in phoenix you bring the wine okay i'll i'll bring the steaks all right all I right do, i do two inch cuts oh yeah there you go there Gotta you go have a two inch. you do you do uh, yeah but uh, yeah, I'm, I love that. I mean, that's my favorite, and my kids love that too. Yeah. Whenever, yeah. whenever I do that, that's like our big thing. But I've I've really started getting into smoking. Lately. Oh yeah, okay. I got okay. a smoker. And I do a pulled pork. Yeah. And I smoked a turkey this year for Thanksgiving, awesome. which was amazing. Yeah. So I might, I might, if you come over, I might smoke something for you too. That sounds good, man. Oh man, that, that yeah. sounds good. And I'm gonna give you. A, I don't know if you've been. You, you mentioned you and your wife. Your wife liked to go to Napa. We do too. Have you oh, ever? Do you? Yeah, one of my favorites. You like Pinot? There's this. I don't know if you're familiar with Brown Estates. It's, Brown. Uh huh. I, yeah, I think. Unfortunately, I don't remember a lot of it. Yeah. Because a lot of drinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so the Brown Estates is that is that like oh, your favorite one? Man, it is. They have some Zins that like I like. My wife is a real wine aficionado. And I'm just learning, but they have a couple of Zins, Rosemary Zen, which is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. But they have a blend called Chaos Theory, which it, it okay, oh, I've heard of Chaos Theory. It drinks, I've absolutely heard of that one. It, it drinks yeah. like a Pinot, but it is absolutely wonderful. One of my favorites. Yeah. And in fact, I am supposed to be getting either today or tomorrow my holiday shipment of wine from them. So I am really, I am. A, yep, you're I'm, set. I'm, I'm a ha holidays. happy dude. Happy dude. So, sometimes you need. Sometimes you need a bottle of wine to deal with family in the holidays. You do indeed. You know? Sometimes you need three. <laughs> sometimes you need three. And, uh, <laughs> you know, somebody told me that Zens were the most underrated wine out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they're not popular, yeah. but they tend to be uh, really high quality. And because they're not popular, they're not as uh, expensive. And you can get like a good value. Yeah, Zen. yeah. If you can find, if you can, if you find, can find any it. of the brown Zens, I guarantee you. If you're a Pinot okay. like, liker, oh, you love Pinot, I bet yes. you'll really love their wine. So I will definitely hit you up on that i'll, I'll awesome. check them out sounds good man yeah. good so i know 2023 you've got your album coming your cd coming out are you planning on touring in 2023 probably not okay i just don't have the time yeah yeah uh, honestly like i say i i wasn't joking when i said there's a lot of artists that are yeah. patiently waiting for me to to write and produce for them and so i definitely have my work cut out for me uh, to to play catch up as yeah. in my other uh, in my non artist facility, being a producer and songwriter, I gotcha. got a lot to do. Yeah, um, yeah. but I am planning on doing a, a lot of live YouTube videos. Good, um, good, and because I do like playing live. I yeah. mean, that's how I got my start. I did tour a lot. I did awesome. play, but it's definitely easier for me to figure out how to translate that into the YouTube video world than to actually go on tour. Yeah. Well, Michael, I got to tell you, I am so grateful that you had an opportunity to spend a little bit of time with us the other day. Oh, it's my um, pleasure. I loved I, it. I interviewed Lamech and Quentin Gerard W. last week. Oh, yeah. And they both were singing your praises on what a nice guy you are and, and how, you know, how love working with you and things like that. And so they definitely, I, I had an expectation that you were going to be a really nice guy when we got on and did this call. And I have so enjoyed chopping it up with you, man. You're hilarious. 
you are clearly you. a pro's pro and i am so excited for your album to come out and i'm gonna tell you don't worry so much about it being the last one because i think i think you're just <laughs> getting started my friend i hope so that's really sweet of you to say carl and by the way quentin and lamech are top-notch guys by the way they definitely I are mean, father son i think i heard through the grapevine that uh, my song with quentin uh, is number one this week on Billboard. I think it is. Yeah, because it's yeah. been climbing for the past couple yeah. of weeks. And and how amazing for father and son to be in the top 10 together and both exactly. of them now at, no, at getting number one, you know? Have you heard of, of a father-son team being Never. like that? I Never. I think I have. Yeah, I yeah. think they're the first to do it. So, yeah. And it's so deserving because you talk to them. They're great yeah, guys. They are. They really are. They yeah, really are. But that's very sweet. And and everything you said and everything they, they said, you know, I really genuinely appreciate those kinds of words it's very sweet and and i definitely don't take that for granted yeah i, I don't i love hearing stuff like that That's it's awesome fantastic well we wish you all the success man and we can't wait for february till we can hear that whole cd all right man thank you all yeah right. yeah i can't wait as well so awesome thank you carl pleasure is all mine michael you have a great rest of your day all right thank you you too take uh, care all righty well, everybody, mark your calendars for the 2023 Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, which takes place August 25th through 26th at the historic Paps Theater in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The 2023 festival will feature performances by guitar greats Larry Carlton, Paul Brown, trumpeter Rick Braun, Lynn Roundtree, Lindsay Webster, Julian Vaughn, Ollie Silk, and Jeff Ryan. For information, visit www.freshcoastjazz.com. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage.